podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It is the Anfield wrap after Liverpool have beaten Southampton by three goals to nil. With me, I've got Rob Gutman, Dave Seagar and Stu Wright. We're going to get into everything we can out of that Southampton game and then we're going to have a little bit of a chat about what Liverpool are going to do when they head off to Sevilla in the Champions League this week. But, Rob, first and foremost, it was a control performance where the side who are comfortably the better side came out with all the points. Yeah. Um, control. Yeah, it was controlled. I, I, My abiding sort of take from it at half-time was beyond the control. It was evidence that if you put a lot of really good footballers in your team together, it pays dividends. Um they were they weren't a bus parky team, but they were very very compact. And I was I said to them, my mate sat next to me, um, these don't make mistakes too readily. We're going to have to be good, uh, and that's that's why we don't score a goal against them last season. I think in four encounters, they're, they're not down to be making to gifting you on the way Huddersfield did. I think the other week, uh, and although we probe and are patient and are bit by bit, you think the op- opening them up bit is coming. It does take a quality goal to, to to unlock the door, but I think that's what happens if you have quality players. And this is the first time uh, in the league, certainly, that we've had the that the magic foursome, the Fab Four, on the pitch at the same time. So it's no accident. Who knew the good footballers make make good things happen? Dave, I mean that is it's a very fair point from Rob. They've done the you know Liverpool opened it up. They did the decent thing. They they. It did take. There'd been a couple uh, of, of, of times of nearly getting in. My thing was, I was just sort of thinking, "There's only one team who's going to score here," and it, it, and it, I was also thinking, and it was, it was because of the quality players. It was also because of the general sort of stranglehold Liverpool had on the game. I was just thinking, this is a matter of when. This is not a matter of if. Yeah, absolutely. And the I mean, I watched it back uh, or the match of the day highlights back this morning. And didn't even remember that, as, as nervous as you feel at the game, because you're just obviously thinking, oh God, the worst could happen at some point. Maybe Southampton will will uh, will nick one. But uh, Ryan Bertrand has a free kick about midway through the first half, whenever it was. And they said that's the first shot they've had in the whole game. The first time yeah. they've been anywhere near Liverpool's goal. And uh, they end up finishing the game without having any shots on target. But you, I do, you remember from the, the first half hour or so and Pellegrino notes it after the game that Southampton were very much in the game up until Salah scored not not in terms of actually threatening us but it didn't really look like we were banging on the door like it's going to happen any moment now and then that wonderful uh, moment from Firmino when he nicks the ball off them uh, after our corner gives it to Salah and he bends it in and from then on you could sort of see everyone in the Southampton shirts just slumping and thinking oh god it's we've We've conceded a goal. We're incapable of scoring them uh, at the moment, so that's pretty much game over. It did. It did sorry, just cut across. It did feel as though the match was. Well, I celebrated that like we'd won the game. Yeah, yeah. I actually felt we'd won the game at that moment. Well, that, just on that, I one of the things I think that you're seeing from this Liverpool side at the minute, Stu, is is how well they feel the pace of it. And I actually think Firmino's best at that. He very much feels the pace of the game and he's aware of when there's going to be a sudden opportunity to, to, to quicken and to, 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 to nick the ball back and to shift it on. I, you know, I, I, I think that you saw that there. That the, the, I was just waiting for the moment of quality, if you know what I mean. I was just waiting for two, two very good players to do two very good things and Liverpool find themselves 1-0 up. Yeah, it, it seems to be... Um, I think it's something we're getting better at. I mean, you say there that we're good at feeling the pace of the game. I'm not always sure we are. I think since this manager's been in place, um, it's been... I mean, everyone talks about how we're full throttle and all this, and we're not. There are times that we are. There are times in games that we are, and there are actual games where we clearly go out to play like that. But 
I think a lot of the time against the the mid table and, and lower half teams at home, you know, we do start slow. We do t- tend to uh, try and feel the game out and, and and see what's what before we commit. Um, and at times it's worked, and at other times it hasn't. I do think we're getting better at it. I think there are players who are better. At it. I mean, you've mentioned Firmino there, um, and yesterday it worked to perfection. I thought, but we still we still needed. We still needed the game opening up by a, by a very special goal, you know. That, that's what makes the difference, you know. Salah scoring a goal from outside the box, for all our pressure, that opens them up. Then and then we we've got we can relax a little bit. The crowd can relax and we can play our football a bit more. And ultimately, at some point, they've got to come out. Um, and it's it's in games where that doesn't happen, where you don't get that that worldy and things aren't quite going for you, and you haven't started at the the necessary pace to roll a team over that I think we've come unstuck in the past. But yesterday, you know, I can't complain. Yesterday was was it to perfection, really. I mean, it was um, we wore them down. We got that goal, uh, and then we opened up, and it could have ended up. Six or seven, it could have ended up anything really. Yeah. I mean, taking the taking um, the the front line off towards the end is, I think, what saved embarrassment for Southampton towards the end. I, I think Sadio Mane is the key player in the opening phase of the game. He uh, he he's the one actually getting in behind them properly. Twice he breaks on the left. Does he play a one-two? He gets and he whips balls across, and we're not quite set in the middle. And I notice a, a pace where the game Southampton are getting a bit settled. He forces the corner from which the goal comes, and it, and it happens because he's. Ex- and it's naturally explosive player. So the ball is loose wide on our wide right-hand side and he pounces very, very quickly, dives on it and is about to get a shot away and they get a blocking quickly and from there the corner happens. I thought he was hugely influential. I was, I was very pleased that he got a start. I still, we still don't know how injured he was in the week beforehand or not and how much football he's got in him over the next number of weeks or whether we're going to have to sort of nurse him through with it with with this hamstring that's become a little bit vulnerable but I thought he was crucial in that early phase there is on that yeah I actually go back to you on this Rob where you said that for instance you felt like the goal the, the opening goal was the winning goal and you were yeah. right to say that you know as a team Southampton don't make mistakes but one of the things that sort of struck me watching them and why I sort of agree with you I thought as soon as we go 1-0 up here this is well, this is you know unless unless we don't capitalise again by about 80 and there's a bit of a kitchen sink job and we're unlucky I don't see a way back and they don't make many mistakes but they don't really inspire at all, do they? And I think it's a really, I think you know, they're a, they're a strange side to play against. In that, that you can see that there's a lot of quality in there, but there's something so inherently conservative about them, and arguably has been for, for for two or three years now. I don't even think this is just this manager, where there's a lot of players there who just don't take that many risks, or don't take interest in risks, or don't gamble in any real way. And so you you know that if you manage to sort of knock the first block out of the wall, realistically, the wall's just going to come tumbling down. Yeah, you can kind of see there's a philosophy that's cutting through from manager to manager to manager now. And it's about this team keeping keeping it safe, safety first. You can almost see why a Virgil van Dijk is so important to that football club in a certain sense. Because they are, a, without being the most overtly defensive team, they pride themselves on not giving much away. I thought in the early exchanges, whilst Mane was, was stood out for us, I thought Romayou did for them. I thought he was, I mean, he faded. He, he ran out of puff as the game went on a bit, but he was very, very potent in, in, in tracking a couple of runs. He'd obviously set, thought, he'd set himself psychologically Logically, that he was not just going to be have the piss taken out of him by Salah and, and Coutinho, and twice he caught up with them, showed real legs on them, um, and I thought he he was impressive. But Southampton going forward, last I think it was the semi final in January where they where Trent plays, having just played at Old Trafford, 
Uh, I think we have injuries there. And, and they set Bertrand and Redmond on him. And he has a torrid night, really, Trent, mm. that night. Uh, this time, this Redmond... I don't know if I'm right, but Redmond seemed to be more central a lot of the time. Uh, was it Tadic and Bujal, as he called? Bujal, sorry. Who were pulling wider. And, and Trent has a really, really good game. I, mean, I, think, I think Ryan Bertrand's a very impressive fullback. You know, notwithstanding Albi Moreno's now the best left-back in Europe, I would have Ryan Bertrand at <laughs> the drop of a hat. But uh, yeah, I agree with you broadly. They, 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 they're nothing going forward. That's why I think, to be honest, I'm one final caveat. This. this is why I think they badly need to be selling us Virgil van Dijk so mm. they can spend all those winnings mm. on the forwards. It's, 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 it, is, it is a strange thing. But I think the other thing is, the other reason why, and whilst the crowd is still often a little bit anxious, Dave, uh, at times, we have almost, in amongst this game and the games that have preceded it, we've got the beginnings now of a bit of a fortress Anfield. Only Burnley have come here and scored so far this season. Long may that continue. Uh, Burnley are scoring everywhere they go, so it almost doesn't count. Uh, but they're also, you know, it's it's now a bit of a home record. Yes, there's been a couple of draws and they are frustrating, but, you know, Liverpool, you, you sort of now thought, well, that's, that was almost that. That was this was this, this is now in our back pocket. Yeah, it's is that now? Is it six games and only one goal conceded? I yeah, think now. Which, is that right? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Which only uh, Burnley have scored past us. That's amazing. Yeah, which I mean, I'm I'm not going to say for a second that that means our defence is absolutely fine and they just need to learn how to do the same <laughs> thing on the road. I think it's clearly the way the team is set up in home games and the way they've approached mm. these games. And uh, I mean, we we have uh, obviously we battered Arsenal. There was the nil-nil with Manchester United, and we've got Chelsea coming up next week, which is going to be very interesting how how we approach that one. But it does feel like we we are going into every home game against whatever opposition, thinking we're going to win three, four nil, and just addressing it accordingly. And it's not even a case of as we were sort of the the brush we were painted with was oh Liverpool they come out first twenty thirty minutes and they blow you away, and uh, that's how they win the home games. And it's not that at all anymore. It's completely. It's almost the opposite. Yeah, exactly. It's considered and uh, talked about Huddersfield earlier that, that that game was the epitome of one where f- in previous years you would have looked at it and said, this is the sort of game we do go on and draw 0-0 or, or 1-1. Uh, but we just went on and professionally saw the game out in the second uh, second half. And yesterday felt similar in a sense of the first half hour. But then once Salah scores, we realised, OK, we're on our way now and this game is going to be won by us. And just on the, the entire shape of the game there, Stu, you know, there's the second before half time, which means that we go in, we can relax. Southampton decide they're going to have a little bit of a go um, coming out at the start of the second half. I think Lovren makes one really good block. But then we, you know, Coutinho makes it three. And it really was this idea of, right, we just dropped the intensity there. And it was a, it was a, we all shake hands and go home. And Southampton are almost too sane a football team. Um, to, to the, 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 They're too sane, too measured, too reasonable to have then put up a fight. They've just sort of gone, well, 3 0. It was, it was as though everyone shook hands. I think that, you know, if the two managers could have negotiated between them at that point and just finished the game, both would have been quite happy to do so. And that, again, is a bit of a shift from us. We were happy to look for a fourth, but we weren't absolutely burning with desire to get one. Yeah, it, it, it was it was really just like you said there. I mean, it was it was laughable really. There was the third goal goes in, and within seconds you got one of the flying wingers coming off, and and the ox coming on, and then you've got the other one coming off, and you've got Milner coming on, and um, it it was kind of a shake hands, and that'll do us boys, you know, and uh, everyone go home now. We won't embarrass you any further, and it, it was really that kind of feeling. And I'm as much as 
as much as you know, you are a little bit frustrated because as soon as the third went in, I said to the fellow next to me, "Could be anything." No, this could this this could be anything. Um, I, I was actually really pleased with those decisions from the manager. Look at the schedule. and the players We've on the got, pitch as well. You know, yeah. like they've got like they've got the game heads on. They're thinking this is just the first of thirteen. That, well, there was no um, it was notable. There was no uh, no one with their head down as they were coming off. Yeah, no protests were. There. No, mm. no, not at all. You know, Coutinho was having a little cuddle with Klopp, and it's all fine. And Salah's on a hat trick, but he's not bothered. Not he's bothered. like he feels he's had long no. enough to try to get the third. Because you've got to be thinking in your head, pick, pick me on Tuesday, boss. You know, if, if I played the full 90, I'd probably got less chance, yeah. you know. So, um, yeah, I, I thought it was a really good decision. I thought it was a very mature performance by everyone from beginning to end. I think when, when, when we talk about game plans... You know, they say at war, don't they? They say that the first thing that goes out of the window is a plan. If something goes wrong, no matter how good the plan at war and, and in military operations. And, and I think, you know, the, the same is with true of football. It's a, it's a fluid operation. You can be the be- have the best plans in the world, but, but things change and you've got another team of lads there to play against. But when the manager's rolling out his plan to the, to the players before the game, I don't think he could have imagined it going you know, as, as to perfection as what it unfolded. And the fact that with, you know, 20 minutes to go, we're all able to shake hands, rest legs, show a bit of game management, players not do anything daft, which is lovely, especially for the, you know, for the back four, everyone show a bit of maturity, fantastic. Yeah, I was trying I was trying to guess what order those, those substitutions were going to happen. I know you want to talk about it later in the show, Neil, but with obviously Severe in mind, with Chelsea in mind, even looking ahead to Stoke next week, Klopp sort of hints at this before, he doesn't hint at it, he's actually quite explicit before the game, he goes, I haven't got all 13 games ahead planned, or whatever the number was he named, I think it was about that. Mm. He goes, but I can't just play them until they get injured. Mm. Uh, so I do think we're going to enter a very different phase of of, uh, of the Klopp era now mm. because he, yes, he has had two games where we've seen the two or three rotations, but this is so intense. Um, I almost and it's, it's, it's his third season of trying to deal with it. Yeah, yeah, and he's not licked it, but this is now he's got the most resources to deal with it. He's he has to he has to he has to back himself to test these resources now. He has to back himself to say. No, uh, no, no, Sadio Mane. It's it's Oxlade Chamberlain. Even though Sadio's perfectly fit, because I need him fitter for Chelsea. Um, Want to talk about? We mentioned the first goal. Uh, how Firmino does something very good. Clavin knocks it off, and Salah bends it brilliantly into the far post. The second goal is also a Salah goal, but in the in the spirit stew of goals being scored at times by two two very good players doing very good things. The Coutinho ball through to Salah and Coutinho playing deeper in general. You know, you could see exactly the value of that there, that he's he's able to see the whole pitch. He can see this diagonal run bent around, a classic centre-forwards run from Salah uh, that arcs him in and he plays the absolutely inch-perfect pass so that it's, Salah's a, it's a really good finish, but it's made easier by the ball. I, I think we're just in a wonderful position with Coutinho at the moment. Forgetting the, all the transfer speculation, I mean, positionally, um, I felt that the, for the first year or so that that we had Klopp, he w- he was blind to the notion of playing him centrally, and it was always he was always out wide, uh, and we were all craving. We were talking about. I remember when he played as number eight under Rodgers, and and and. You know, of the, over the last six months, we've seen more and more of that, and I think we're just in a great situation with him now because he can play in that position, or you know, we can give Mane a rest. I mean, I'm, I'm quite happy, at the, you know, on Tuesday if Coutinho switches over to the left because we've still got that pace on the other side. I think I think we are blessed now to have that when he plays like that in a, in a central in a deeper position like that, and the balance is right around him. And I, I do think the balance was in terms of Henderson and Wijnaldum. I thought they were both great yesterday. By the way, <coughs> they moved the ball so quickly, which made his job so much easier. Um, it's just unplayable when he's like that. Uh, but it also helps. You put a ball like that second goal through, 
there's not many players in the world who are going to catch it. You look at actually Salah's starting position for that. He's miles away from it, and he's calling for it. He's pointing to where he, he gives wants him it. Little gives him the eye, yeah. <laughs> but he's got no right to. And if you're a Southampton central defender, there's no way you can anticipate that he can possibly make that. Even if you know, even if you have a feeling, you know how quick Salah is. That is just unreal to make it there. And when he gets there, to have the composure to think the finishing as well. It's absolutely, it's it's frighteningly good. Mm. It's frighteningly good, and it really wets the whistle for the rest of the season. Now we're seeing these lads on the pitch together. Yeah, I loved. I particularly loved about that second goal was how daft it did make Van Dijk look. <laughs> yeah. He, I think it's just just before just before it comes to him, he gets what he considers to be fouled by Firmino, and he gets up and he waves his arms and he's a bit frustrated, and then he realises play's still going. Coutinho's got the ball and thinks, oh, he's quite good. Him, he might do something something here, but then he just steps up and as if he's almost going to go and challenge Firmino, who's about who's, I think he's level with Coutinho at the time. He's about 30, 35 yards from goal. And leaves this huge gap behind him. And uh, Wesley Hoyt, Hurt, however you pronounce it, um, realises, oh, good, I'll just mark Salah then, shall I? And then he runs across him and thinks, OK, he's quite quick and he's finished and we're done here. And uh, yeah, it's. but when Coutinho gets the ball, I love that, as you said to you about Salah being so far away from it, but he's pl- obviously played with him long enough now and seen him before to know he's good enough to find me. Just, just on run. that day when I'll come back to you on it, when you mentioned in there that, you know, Coutinho's ball often tends to be Firmino. Yeah. So if you're Van Dijk, you're thinking, well, that's where he's got to go and I've got to go and press there because all of a sudden my, my holder midfielders have been dragged out of shape because they're worried about Coutinho and someone's got to deal with Firmino because I don't want him picking the ball up 30 yards from goal and being able to turn. And then you're thinking, well, if you're Hoyt, you're right to point out, you're going, well, hang on, I've got him to deal with. And someone somewhere's thinking about, about uh, Mane. And this sort of goes back to Rob's point from the start. You know, suddenly if you've got that as a front four, plus two tidy fullbacks, mm. you are in a position there where you're thinking to yourself, um, when Aldum, and both Wijnaldum and Henderson aren't shy making a run. My point is, there's only there's only so much you can constantly deal with. There's a point where you're just sort of overwhelmed. And yeah. then when there's genuine, you're already feeling a bit overwhelmed. And then there's a ball of genuine quality, which leads to the possibility for a finisher genuine quality. Well, that's it. And obviously, as long as everyone's fit and we can do this in more home games, having that many weapons to, to go at people with is, is frightening. That you've, uh, you've got... I mean, Mane, I think, yesterday, it obviously doesn't come out with, with the numbers for it, but I did, as, as Rob said earlier, I thought he was exceptional at times yesterday. His touch, the threat he was providing from wide. And then, of course, you think once he's got the ball, if he gives it to someone else, then we've got to look after Coutinho, look after Firmino, and then that Salah guy who keeps scoring. Neil, I, sorry, can I just mention the Van Dyke thing again? Go on. Just I've watched that a few times back, and I think we're, I think we're in a bit of a weird place as a as a Liverpool fan base over an opposition player at the moment because we're so desperate for a centre half, we're so desperate for him, um, and this. Yesterday he was caught in no man's land, wasn't he? And as you said, said Dave, you know, we stepped forward to, to go to Firmino, which actually might not have been the there wrong thing. There was cover thing. behind him, you there know. There was cover, exactly. Two, two lads. So it, not, it wasn't necessarily the wrong thing to do. And I think even if he had dropped back, he was dead anyway. There was, yeah. there was no way he could do anything about it. But what, what struck me was, even if that was the right decision, because the way it looked, if the shoe was on the other foot and he did that for us, yeah. if he did that in a red shirt, let's say it was Dexy Lovren yeah. yesterday, he did it. he'd have been absolutely tore apart. He'd have been slaughtered. And Van Dijk, as a Liverpool player, six months down the line, if he's had one or two ricks in him, 
in an adjustment period, and he does that. He will be slaughtered as well. And I just think that there was a there was a there's a little bit of we're all, we're all a bit weird. I think about I was saying to you before the game before we started the show, Rob, that I've never watched a player, an opposition player, more than I watched Van Dijk yesterday off the ball and everything. Just his body language, how he was talking to the players around him, all very good, all very impressive. But I just thought that was a really weird moment, and I saw. Um, Shearer had a pop at him last night on Match of the Day. Did he? Yeah, he, he over that well moment. Yeah. Well, he, over that moment, he had a pop at him. And then the tirade that came on Twitter against Shearer at that moment from, from Liverpool fans defending the opposition player. <laughs> more more so is, than Southampton. It just struck me as a really weird situation. And if you know if it had been a Liverpool player in that position, That's, I don't think they'd have well, necessarily had the same support. Just to come back to you on that, Stu, before we bring Rob back in, it is worth pointing out that the job of attacking footballers is to make defensive footballers look daft and look like they've done the wrong thing. Yeah. And that we should probably remember that when that's our players as well. That there's literally, what you said before, there's another set of lads who are trying to make your plans look daft, and so maybe we could, you know, we, we, we maybe we can speak up for everyone. Yeah, I, th- I think I think making positional mistakes is is more forgivable than than technical errors. Mm. I think Cause, okay, a technical error is forgivable because you don't mean to make the thing. But at the end of the day, it says something about your quality as an overall football. I think positional mistakes, getting distracted by around those sort of things, those those are part and parcel of football, and due to the plan that can be bigger than you. That um, <coughs> sounds spiritual. Oh, Coutinho. It's, it's, yeah, I was going to talk about the goal, Neil. Can I? Yeah, talk about the goal. What I, what I loved Great about ball. what I loved about the goal is it was a quintessential uh, golden age. Liverpool goal it, it was an 80s goal it was Dalglish to, to rush it mm. really was um, and what's great about it what I th- where I think Van Dijk is, it, you know it's harsh to criticise is Salah's run is timed across two men because he's inches onside but he's very deliberately onside that is what Ian Rush does and I've seen very few strikers do that as as routinely as well and we're not seeing Salah do this routinely as well but he clearly knows what to do and the ball, and the, and the weight of the pass is like a Dalglish pass and the finish actually is like a Dalglish finish as well Moldy to Rush in 86 it's all, it's all those combos from that from that yeah. front, from that era it was a and it's, it's a funny it's not a sort of goal I've, you see that often these days or all right, certainly not at Anfield or a Liverpool goal we see that often not that kind of that perfect it's, it's all about geometry that goal isn't it it's about it's about the, the run at a certain acute angle by the forward mm. it's about the way to pass at a certain at a certain specific angle by the by the the assister, and then it's about the, the position the goalkeeper's forced to be in at a key moment, and, and and how the ball's moved at that stage. I loved that goal. What did you think of Casino deep in general? I've I've loved seeing him deep since the tail end of last season. The thing about Coutinho deep, he is he's brilliant deep if he's got something to hit. Uh, I think that's why he's been pulled further forward and maybe not considered. Uh, look, in Rodgers, in the near title winning season, Coutinho's deeper in that a lot of the time there, but he's got Sterling, Sturridge and Suarez ahead of him. Makes all the sense in the world. Also, he's not as trusted because he's younger in those front three positions. I think in the in the recent past, he's in the front three, but if you pulled him into that midfield, what's left ahead of him? Not a lot, I don't think, a lot of the time, or it's only two-thirds of a situation. Um, I'm almost thinking like in a, in, a, in a Rafa team, if you had Coutinho now in 2009, would you play? where would you play him? You'd probably play him wide left or wide right. I don't know. You'd take one of Ben Ayun or Kaut's positions, I think, because there's not as much to hit aside from Torres there. So I think that's possibly what's happened in this team, where you've got the likes of Salah and Mane and Firmino to hit. Coutinho makes all the sense in the world there. It's the other thing I noticed with it as well, Dave. I mean, I I think that you see this at times when when he plays higher up. It, 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 you see, especially Henderson. Henderson Henderson's first look is where's Coutinho? 
that's his first look. Where's Coutinho? I think you see that as I say, mm. even when Coutinho's higher up. But when he knows Coutinho's near him in midfield, the number of times you saw him just pop the ball off, it might occasionally be square. It might, God forbid, every now and again end up being backwards because that's the way football matches work. But you see that you see that Henderson's going. Where is Coutinho? Every single time, how can I get the ball to him very quickly right now? Yeah, it's it's it seems to be a deliberate a deliberate plan, and why not? Because it, it works so well. But the I mean, it was interesting the comments. Um, the Brazil coach um, Chite said in the week about I'd love to play uh, Coutinho in centre mid uh, for Brazil, but he doesn't play there for Liverpool, so I can't do. And then he so plays him on the right of a front three, which he's I don't think he's ever played for Liverpool, which is very bizarre. But it's it's interesting that he. He's commented on that, obviously seeing himself that he thinks Coutinho is ideally suited to a midfield role, but isn't willing to play him for the national team there unless he's doing it week in, week out for Liverpool. And I think this is a time when he is going to do it. I hope he doesn't take credit for it and say, oh, I, I told Klopp to do that now and look uh, look how good it is. But to have, to have him in there in that role, especially in home games, especially with maybe not so much yesterday, but when you're playing teams who are completely packing the defence and are not letting you through, having someone in that role who can thread the eye of a needle so easily... Uh, and so often it's just it's such a great weapon having the front three that we do ahead of him as well that you've got the, the players who can make those runs and that he's got the trust of his teammates to take on that massive massive uh, responsibility to basically be the start of almost every attack and I think it helped Henderson and Wijnaldum yesterday as well knowing that they could rely on Coutinho to do that bit so they could do their roles and not have to worry so much about having to create as much themselves I, I think that the, the space the amount of space ahead of Coutinho in that role is absolutely crucial when he's playing central um, because I think when he first came across there was a natural inclination to look at him and think oh he's a number 10 and he's not a number 10 we, we've seen that we've tried it and when you line up in a system like a 4-2-3-1 when he is um, in the middle of the three in the middle of the three yeah and he's just got one striker ahead of him and that's all he's really got that's all, all he's really looking at I think he struggles and he's got less space between him and the opposing defence. You know, he's, he's, he's too high up the pitch. When he drops into that number eight position, we play more of a 4-3-3 as we first started seeing under Rodgers. Um, then I think he can be dynamite. And then it's all about the movements ahead of him. When when Daniel Sturridge was at his very best at that time um, in, in, in on that golden season, Coutinho and him really struck up an understanding you felt that uh, you know Sturridge would make a run and Coutinho would find him from that number 8 position uh, I think there was a game at Newcastle where they were just electric together they this is actually the season before that when they in first the 6 signed. months yeah, yeah. yeah. that's when that, that was their most potent period in a way and it looked it looked like the it had the the potential of a of a really devastating partnership um but it's but, interesting the gap between the two players. When you say, normally when you think of a partnership, when when, when uh, Rob says before about Dalglish and Rushdew, they're quite close to each other. At least they theoretically are on the pitch. The really interesting thing about the Coutinho storage thing, as you're describing, there is whether or not you call them a number ten and let's almost put the nomenclature to one side. Is he, he can be forty yards away from where the lad who's about to make the run is and still find him. And that that to me, the idea you can have a partnership that can shift you forty yards across the pitch. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, and although that's an unusual usual thing I think what we've seen with Coutinho that's not unusual for him um, there was a game in pre-season and I know it's only pre-season but it was one of the first times we'd seen Coutinho and uh, Salah play together I think it may well have been Berlin 
I think you're right, yeah. And Coutinho puts him through for the goal, again, with a 40-yard ball. And it was just, you know, the, the lad's making the run and he can spot him from that distance. He can sp- see through the crowd. And I, I think Coutinho likes having that map ahead of him. I think he likes having that vision of the game, of it all going on ahead of him. Um, and he can do anything with the ball. I think his options are limited. He can do less with the ball because there are less options opportunities less options when the space is more condensed and he's pressed higher up the pitch in a in a number 10 position if that makes sense Salah's his dream partner you could see it was actually before the German game they play is in Asia we play Leicester and Palace Palace, they play a game together there full game and the same thing's happening I think they both score in that game and I think they both play together in Munich don't they in the the Bayern Munich and the Germany one He's, he's ideal in a way, in a funny way, that Mane's not quite as ideal for him. I think Mane's doing more bits mm. generally, whereas Salah Mane, is... Mane's more of, an, more of a midfielder, whereas, yeah, whereas, yeah. whereas Salah is a forward. Yeah, yeah. Mane, Mane's, looking more, Mane's looking for a Salah as well. You know, Mane's, Mane, Mane, although he's a fantastic striker quietly, he's also... He's, he's, he's much more of a creator, whereas Salah's... Salah is a creator, but it's not his primary. His primary role is to get between the sticks from wide positions. Do you know what we, we, we don't see a lot of from Salah? But when we see it, it's it's gorgeous. He's, because he's playing on the wrong side, we don't actually see him cross a ball that often. There was the goal against Arsenal. I think it was, was it the Sturridge goal against mm. Arsenal yeah. where he played yeah. on the left. And he, and it was absolutely... I mean, the, the the curve on the ball, it was just delicious on that onto that back post. Um, but we, we've obviously seen him on corners now. He's got a corner on him. Mm-hmm. And we've been crying out for someone to be able to, to cross a dead ball from a corner for, for so long. This lad's got a, a natural whip when he takes a corner. Uh, and I think, you know, if we, with the addition of perhaps one or two uh, bigger lads who are more of a threat from corners, I think we'll, we'll, we'll start to score more set pieces with, with his delivery from, from corners, to be honest. He's, he's so economical, Salah, isn't he? With mm. everything he does. Yeah. There's almost no touch that's wasted. And I, I I love his his ability to control and protect a football. I think that's that's a, it's quietly yeah. another level. The amount he's, of times he's picked it out of the air, like mm, really high balls, unbe- just got it on his left foot and is completely in his control. It's so, incredible. Yeah. And if he gets it, and if and if there's two big lads running at him, yeah. and bundling into him while he's doing it, he can mm. still do that. He can then readjust his body weight because he's got incredible balance and protect the for a little guy. His protection of the ball is incredibly he so u- strong. He uses his ass brilliantly. Yeah, I love that about. Yes, him. he does. Kenny style, yeah. yeah, he's brilliant. You don't see him. The, even, even I mean, the likes of Firmino are really great at protecting the ball. All those lads can really look after a football, but they do get it nicked off them. Salah does not get the ball nicked off him. A lot's that to do with his pace, but it's also to do with his strength and determination. Yeah, I, that, that, I, I'm, I'm really glad you said that, Rob. To be honest, because I think we've got to assume that this this goal streak that he's on at the moment. It can't last because he'd be the greatest again. footballer of all time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so there's there's going to have to be some kind of return to the, to, to, to the to the mean there. And what I have been impressed at more than his goal return, that sounds daft really, but all right, just as much as his goal return is, technically he is a much he's at a different level than the player I thought we were signing. Hmm. Te- I mean, the way as you we just said then about it, the way he he brings a ball out out of the air. It's just, and the balance that he has, and the strength and the tenacity to go with it, and the way he, the way he'll track back. I mean, it, it, this this guy is really starting to look like an all rounder. I always, um, I was always jealous of. Um, 
First of all, Arsenal when they had Mark Overmars, and then Chelsea when they had Robin. I always yeah. wanted a player like that. We hadn't had one since Barnes, who was basically a wide striker, was just unplayable, was going to score you 15 to 20 goals yeah. from a wide area, and would have the pace to just open teams up. Um, and I think you needed, I think you, you, having both is the idea. Overmars that pace. is a good shout, actually. Mm. Yeah. I quite like Overmars. Yeah. And I think this this guy could well be, if he, can, if he keeps anything like his current trajectory, he could be one of the most important signs that we've had for for 10 20 years you know i know it's very very early days but it's his all-round contribution and even if the goals dry up somewhat it's the the pace and the combination with the players around it will open teams up and provide opportunities for other players he only needs to sorry he only needs to drop off from his current goal a game ratio because it's a it's a goal every hundred minutes that is a goal a game, near as damn it. He needs to drop off to that to a humble goal every two games, and he'll be he'll score over thirty this well, season. Th- th- yeah. He's a goal every two, he was a goal every two games in Italy last season. I mean, it's dead interesting that that, that Stu mentions Overmars because Overmars only got double figures in the league once. Really, once um, in this league, and in fact, in in in, uh, in both this league and in La Liga, he only got double figures in the league. Did he once. win? The, did he win the? Did he win the double that year? That, the, yeah, that's the first his first season when no one knows what on earth's going on with yeah. him and can't handle him. Um, but I think that there is. I don't necessarily. Firstly, you know, I take Stu's reversion to the mean points, but if the mean yeah. is indeed a goal every two games, which is what it was last season for him uh, playing for Roma, then you're right to say he breaks thirty. But there is another thing here, which is this is now you know this is now a third of a season. The mm. the idea that there is going to be some sort of drop off. I think we, we, we there will be at some point, just simply off the, the vagaries of he might go, he might he might have five games without a goal because that mm. happens to practically every player. Kane doesn't score every single week, no. but he might then come back on to scoring at this sort of rate because I think that's what he's there to do, and I think he knows that's what he's there to do. And but the biggest thing for me, uh, Stu, is he's not. It's not that he's scoring with every chance. He should actually open the scoring yesterday before he does, and that never phases him. And he just gets back on, and he thinks, right, I'm going to get another opportunity, and it's going to be coming in no time. And you see two different types of finishes from him yesterday. One which you'd ex- probably broadly speaking on the expected goals thing, you would expect him to stick into the back of the net. One which is obviously a very good, a very good finish. But my point is, there's he's missing chances, and if he wasn't missing chances, I'd be going. You're right, like Josh King at the back end of last season stopped missing, which meant at some point Josh King's going to start missing again. My Salah thing is, he's actually missing chances, yeah. and that's what makes me think. He doesn't necessarily slow down as much as you might expect. What, what's what's mad about it is I, I almost feel like I, I want to stop refer, referring to him as a, as a winger now almost entirely because just he, he's, a, he's just yeah he's a forward, but he he basically is playing like a striker, not just a forward, but a striker, but just coming at it from a weird angle where he's not naturally getting picked up. <laughs> yeah. And it's the amount, it's the sheer volume of chances that he's getting, and it's not if he misses the first couple, it's not, and this is a real. A sign of a, of a good striker. It's not affecting him. You know, he's he's come back for the third and the fourth, and I feel like I'm damning him with faint praise here now, and and um, and I, and I don't mean to, but I remember Andy Cole burst onto the scene, Newcastle, and then obviously United bought him, and he would because of his sheer pace. He would get so many chances, and he'd miss loads, but he'd score forty. You know, <laughs> do you know, it's just crackers. And but he'd get so many chances, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not comparing his attributes to Andy Cole's at all. But it's the sheer volume and He's the much f- better. And, yeah, well, there we go. <laughs> and and also the mentality to, regardless if I missed one, I'm going to get another one in five minutes because because I will because I'm just that fast. And you know, the opportunity I've got these boss lads around me, another one's coming, I'll score that. And he just keeps going, and it's. And 
you know, I think you, you, I can totally see your point, Neil. Why the evidence thus far doesn't suggest a reversion to anything below, you know, a goal every two games. And you know, if if we're getting a lad from wide area scoring a goal every two games, then I'm. Pfft, I'll take that all day long as well. Well, you can see why for a couple of years people said Harry Kane has to stop being this good because because the style of goal Harry Kane was scoring, I think, as much as anything. Because they were all such true hits, weren't they? So many, you go, you can't be that ruthless in front of goal all the time. Harry Kane's got a lot of very good goals, but most of Salah's goals, I mean, the two yesterday are, are, are exceptions to the rule, really. Especially the first one, it's a... A lot of most, or, or you watch his goal reel at Roma, and you watch most of his Liverpool goal reel. It's scored. They're all scored inside the six-yard box. That's and that's not just go, that instinct's not going to stop. And those chances inside the six-yard six box aren't going to get harder. They're point blank a hell of a lot of these chances, and with good reason because he is. I think he is a winger. You look at his starting position in the second half. He plays wide. He's never put got his back up against a, a centre half. He's not a striker in, in any sense. Even he's not even a Thierry Henry type striker. But what he does have when he's not in, in possession of the football, he has a striker's instinct to to gamble. To gamble in that six-yard box. He's combined the two roles. It's really interesting as well that he, he he's come into that way of thinking because at Roma, he did actually spend a lot of time, obviously as a wide player, but he spent a lot of time going on the outside and cutting it back to Edin Dzeko to score. And he's not got that at Liverpool because Firmino is a completely different type of player. Very true, yeah. But he's, I presume, deliberately from Klopp, he's kind of said, you know, you did this at Roma, well, instead, you're going to cut inside and you're going to be the one getting on the end of other people's stuff. And he's adapted that. I mean, he still obviously scored loads of goals at Roma, but he's adapted that so brilliantly and so flawlessly that not having a big lad who he can just pull the ball back to, who's going to stick it in the back of the net, and he's taken on that responsibility himself. And it, it's, it just says even more about how good he's been. Um, we manage the legs uh, after we go 3-0 up. Um, the third goal is 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 a neat finish from Coutinho. Probably should score the better goal earlier on uh, when he shimmies through and tries to pass it into the bottom corner. And it just Pulls goes it, hasn't, hasn't done that for a while. Yeah, uh, just goes wide. Uh, there is, though, you know, it's a neat enough finish from the rebound. It's great to see him get in the box, which is the other thing about him playing centrally in the midfield three, is it gives you another attacking midfielder who may well have the instinct just to hit the, hit the edge of the area. Then you watch us manage legs a little bit, and I think it is interesting also watching... There's a bit of a decision for players to be each other's intensity. You get the impression the manager knows who he's... If I say run into the ground, Rob, it's wrong. But you get the impression the manager sort of knows he can ask Moreno to do more running across the course of a half. He can ask Wijnaldum and Henderson. You could see at times Henderson was the furthest man forward, closing people down towards the back end of the game. Yeah. Like It's almost like right, your part of your job is to actually protect some of these other lads' legs as well. Yeah, and the Moreno chance is almost an example of that, the one he should just let his right foot do something for yeah. once. Um, he just doesn't back himself at all. Such a shame because it's a wonderful move and a brilliant assist by Salah, isn't it? If, yeah, it, go, yeah. if it goes in. Um, yes, I think that's right. I, there are some players in the squad who've got incredible engines who, I mean, Klopp described Mil- Milner wasn't playing and he came on, didn't he? Milner as a machine physically. I think Moreno's quite, you know, we've, we've all been hailing Moreno's comeback and he's a great player, but he is a machine physically. Moreno's not going to miss a minute of football this season, I think, if he stays fit. Um, Henderson, despite, Henderson's a strange one because he is, he's, he's vulnerable to an injury now, we know. But he is also incredibly fit. Mm. Uh, I did think the way the legs were saved and the legs that were taken off early were interesting, though, Neil, yesterday. I think they were indicative of what his plan is for the mm. for the for at least a fort. You know, they say he's not planning 13 games ahead. I certainly think he's looking a fortnight ahead. Yeah. And I and I think... Can we talk about Seville quickly, yeah? Just to what... what, what 
no, not going to do Seville. We'll do Seville in a bit. We're going to we'll do, do Seville, Seville we'll do in a bit. All right, then talk about something else. Then I've totally lost my train. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 Dave, I think. Please. I think. <laughs> I think the approach was was absolutely the right one. I mean, I, I spoke to you, Neil, on on uh, the other day about on City Talk about how he was going to line up, what the team kind of team he was going to play, and trying to th- think at the time like, oh, he might you know rest a few or whatever. But I think he absolutely did it the right way, where he went with his strong team, and then once the game was won. He brought off the lads who needed resting, and he, he backed them to do that to, to get the game won fairly early and make, uh, make then make the necessary changes and obviously give minutes to to those who who needed it off the bench. But I think in terms of the the way I saw Moreno yesterday, I thought was was absolutely outstanding. Anyway, but he's, he's been yeah yeah. But the it's it's the way he's been not necessarily yesterday because Mane Mane played there, but in other games he's been entrusted to be the entire left side of the team. Yeah. That uh, I mean that again goes to to see what kind of engine he's got that he can get up and down the pitch uh, wh- wherever the ball is, but it's uh, I think yeah I think yesterday in terms of the way it all flowed together in the way the team was set up uh, I think it's a lot of what Klopp will have seen from that performance I think he's going to take forward in these uh, upcoming games. It's well come on to talk about Seville in a minute, Stu. But before that, I do actually want to talk about you, you touched on it before Van Dyke and Lovren and. It was there's a good piece by uh, by Dan Morgan on the Anfield app talking about the, the two performances. It's, it's worth starting actually with Lovren, who, as I say, puts a really good block in, does something a bit mad in the second half when he when he sort of ends up knocking it up in the air when he can maybe do a bit better. But I I just do think genuinely do think that being on the right, I think he's a better player on the right of the of the two. I think that you can you can draw that chart throughout his, his Liverpool career. I don't know quite why what the what what what. what I, the, I have a theory on that. Go on. Um, when he first came and he was. So he's a right-footed player who likes to play left-sided centre-back. And when he first came, Moreno was the left-back. And Moreno was a, was, uh, was he, he was a very different Albi than what he is, what we're seeing this season, wasn't he? And he was, um, he was a player who'd, who'd just vacate his position so much, he'd be so high up the pitch. And I think that when you've got a right-sided, sorry, a right-footed left centre-back whose natural tendency is to look inward, then I see. I think that the the space on that left hand side can be exposed dramatically, um, yeah. and I think you see that in the in the Europa League final. To be honest with you, um, but it wasn't the only occasion. There was many many times that season where I felt that it was the combination of the two that were bringing out the worst in each other. Albi would look better if he had uh, a player who was more comfortable and dominant as a left sided, left footed, uh, natural centre back in that position. Um, and, and and vice versa. I think it was having a derogatory effect on, on on Lovren as well, as well as the fact that he had less cover in front of him than what he'd been used to at Southampton. Um, so yeah, that's where I was at with it. And I, I think that if you get, if Lovren is to play left side of centre back for Liverpool, then you've got to make sure you've got the right person alongside him. So for example. Milner mm. was a smart move in that position. Uh, if Lovren was going to play there, you've got to have a more defensive. If it was, if Gomez, I know Gomez is the right-sided one, but if you had an equivalent of Gomez, who's almost like a quasi centre back, that would be fine too. Um, but I think you've got almost got to have the the the, the right balance there. Um, to There's make, key moments too, actually, early in the second half, where Lovren makes a very key block, one of the most Southampton's most dangerous situations in the whole game. And he makes it with his right, uh, with his right foot, doesn't he? Mm. He di- he dives in in a, in a confident way before mm. the shot even mm. get, gets away or the cross. Then that's a, that's a Lovren that doesn't do that on the left. 
What's interesting is I think we would all have said that if Matip was fit, we probably wouldn't have started Lovren. What would it be in Southampton? We've seen that sort of thing before, Dave, and yet that didn't seem to phase him at all, almost as though I think it'd be in one more level. And it is fair to say that he'll have got in his own head massively after that Tottenham game. He wouldn't be human if he hadn't. And there has been question marks around that sort of stuff for him in the past. So it it does seem like in the end, you know, insofar as these things can, you know, can work quite nicely, maybe just all sort of came together for him. It was the right opponent for him to say, you know what, forget this sort of Liverpool thing. I've got these idiots to worry about behind me. Do you know what I mean? Like as though he just gone, you know what, in for a penny, in for a pound. Yeah, I was really proud of his performance yesterday that he, he'd been through so much with the, with the Tottenham performance and it clearly affected him. Obviously, there's the unfortunate social media aspect to it as well afterwards, but when uh, he would have only presumably found out the day before once once the Matip news had emerged that he was playing so he wouldn't have had much notice much time to think or dwell on it which pro- probably helped but to have I mean, obviously it helped that it was, we, he was at home so it was only travelling fans but the Southampton fans were as ever getting on his back the entire game booing him every, every touch singing uh, unfortunate songs about him but the second half especially obviously because he was he was closer to them uh, at that point I was in the um, the Upper Annie Road yesterday and uh the, every time the Southampton fans started booing him or singing about him, all the Liverpool fans just tried to applaud and cheer and back him. And I really, I really enjoyed that because I know that there's obviously a lot of, a lot of opinion about Lovren and people aren't completely convinced by him. But he got, he did get a lot of back. When, when, when they were getting on his back and when there was the back, and the thing I noticed, Dave, is, I don't know if, it, and it's one of those things that maybe you just notice it and it could just be nonsense. Centre backs do get a lot of the ball, but I actually thought at that point I think it was it was two or three nil, and it looked as though Liverpool went through a two minute spell of deliberately passing to him. It was really annoying actually because we were all like, applauding his touch and then we'd applaud he'd give it to Henderson give it back and we're like can we stop can you stop giving it to him we're fed up of applauding and doing it here. we just want to watch the game it was, uh, it was uh, it, that, all that sort of stuff was good very quickly Rob uh, mm. because it feels a dereliction of duty not to mention it um, it's a tidy and in fact if anything it's, it's an impressive performance because it wasn't full of bells and whistles um, a tidy display from Alexander-Arnold mm. in terms of winning his battles keeping his shape being pretty responsible thinking his way through the game yeah, I thought he was great. I mean, the first half in particular, I think he was testing. He's unlucky not to score. Yeah, yes. When he was he, he the first big chance he of the game. He Yeah. Um, you know, I, I was praising Joe Gomez on a show the other day, the wildcard show, but saying, you know, he's one of the most impressive young defenders since the Rob Jones era. And Rob Jones has always been a benchmark for me. Because I've never been really so impressed by a young, young defender. But that was a Rob Jones-like full-back performance yesterday. Gomez, Gomez, uh, not Gomez, sorry. Trent, Trent's been out the side. And the, and the the elephant in the room, and Klopp's actually talked about it with him. He's a great young player with all the gifts, apart from the defensive discipline gifts. And he show, he, he was so focused and concentrated. I think it might have helped his cause psychologically that he was given such a torrid time by that Southampton left flank in January, as I was saying earlier. Um, I think he had a point to prove, and he looked very, very determined. Trent, you know what? On the strength of that, he, he doesn't he doesn't readily get dropped. For, for Gomez on the back if he can repeat that performance that was a bit special I thought yeah yeah he was uh, I think with with it yesterday it, when, he, when he was selected he thought oh a home game obviously he is more attack minded than Gomez it makes sense and I, I, was, I did actually quite like that Gomez uh, didn't start yesterday because obviously all of the hyperbole around him this week and rightly so he was absolutely brilliant for, for England but I was kind of thinking if Gomez plays, it does play today uh, yesterday that he would Definitely be terrible, just because of all of the yeah. the brilliant um, the, the right right praise he's been getting. But what I really liked about Trent yesterday was he did make the odd 
mistake. I think he made it made a couple a couple of, of times he let people in behind him, but then he was the one to rectify it. He didn't think, Oh god, oh my teammates bail me out here. Yeah. He raced back, he made He's got made that amends. recovery pace, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah. But there are times I mean there was a couple of occasions in that first half where literally just in front of where I sit, I think he was caught out he was caught out once positionally and he was caught out on another occasion where he just jumped just committed too soon really and didn't have that that wily old head of jockeying a player um, but on both occasions he not only showed he had the pace and the go-go gadget legs to recover but also the tenacity that determination of you know oh shit I've, I've got to go and get this and he, you know he, he, he had it back in, in split seconds so um, that that's the thing with him if you've got a player who's learning the position um, and you know is going to be prone to occasional mistake, mistakes of enthusiasm, uh, over-enthusiasm, then if you've got the natural attributes to get yourself out of bother, th- you know, then it's less of a risk, isn't it? You're mitigating it somewhat. I also felt that on paper, when you looked at the two games, you've, and you want to try and give both these lads games over the course of this season, you want to try and develop both of them. Um, Southampton at home, and then followed by uh, a tricky away tie in the Champions League. I knew, I knew I'd prefer to have Gomez in the away to Seville yeah. for his more defensive mindset I think that was the right yeah. move and you know Trent I think he should be playing home games where we're playing against mid-table fodder you know where we should be able to be having it be more front-footed and more attack-minded I think they're the, they're the type of games that we should be giving to Trent in that position This week on the Anfield Wrap we've got loads going on as ever we're going to be reviewing that game against Southampton one more time, uh, talking to Sean Rogers. We did our post-match show last night and we're going to be reviewing the Southampton game and then we're going to be previewing Sevilla, not once but twice. Once under the lights, our recorded show that we'll do in Liverpool and then we're going to do it again on the ground in Sevilla. We're going to be telling you about the sights and sounds of the city. We're also just in general going to be talking about the Reds and the excitement of this Champions League run. That's to come as well uh, this week on the Anfield Wrap and then we'll be doing a post-match show immediately after the Sevilla game with our reaction to the way in which that game's gone down. And then from there, we geared our loins and we go towards the big one, I'd say the biggest game between now and Christmas. Liverpool up against Chelsea. We'll be doing our weekend preview show, looking at the game full stop in a variety of different ways. We'll also be finding our, finding ourselves doing our team talk show, which we record straight after the manager's press conference with all the team news that we can give you and speaking to a Chelsea supporter and speaking to someone who's at Anfield for the first time or on a rare occasion coming in from abroad. We're a very broad church. We've got all the other stuff that we do as well and we've got all the fun of the fair we've got things like AFQ where we mess around what's really important if you're listening to this is not to think you've got to listen to everything you haven't this isn't a serial that's sort of where things feed itself in and out you can't get lost what it's about is finding your way for us to accompany your Liverpool supporting journey that's what we want to do with the Anfield app that's what we see our purpose as we want to find ways for you to enjoy your football your experience of supporting Liverpool more and more what I'd say, therefore, is then if this interests you, if this gets your attention, all the shows, the previews, the reviews, the post-match, the pre-match, everything that you need and all the messing round, slap bang from the heart of Liverpool City Centre. If this does interest you, if you've been um and an R and if you've subscribed before and changed your mind, come on board with us between now and Christmas because it's a great time to get stuck into every single aspect of the game. There's loads and loads going on. And as I say, don't feel overwhelmed by what we put out there. It's like Netflix. You're not expected to watch everything on Netflix. What we want is for you to come find the bits that you like and enjoy them so this is the Anfield Wrap I'm Neil Atkinson and before we hand over to talking about Seville you know this is what we do it's the way in which we go about it it's where we are theanfieldwrap.com forward slash subscribe okay 
also want to give a quick mention that a ticket's available for James Milner's charity ball for his foundation. Uh, you can get those uh, by uh, calling by going to his website, uh, which is the James Milner Foundation.com, or call 01614840876. That's 01614840876 for tickets and sponsorship info. Uh, so he's working hard on that in order to uh, in order to raise money for his foundation. Uh, it's on the 26th of November if you fancy it. Uh, so it is 01614840876 for that. Okay, then moving on to Seville. It's uh, it's a funny one in that again, you know, it's we can we, Dave, you were doing the City Talk show and we were having the what will he do, what won't he do. It's maybe your markers are that Firmino gets ninety minutes, and so he might have a look at that. He might have a look at either of the central midfielders in terms of Wijnaldum and, and Henderson. He might have a look at full back, certainly at right back. Don't think he has a look at centre back if Matip's not fit. I suspect he goes the same again. What 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 are you expecting from him? I think I think minimal changes given how well yesterday went. I do I do think the uh, I think Chan will start. Obviously, uh, he didn't yesterday. I do think Gomez will play. Uh, I was surprised. Um, Firmino didn't come off yesterday, did no. he? No, he played the full full ninety. I was quite surprised by that because I was I'm assuming he's going to be playing again from the start um, in Seville. I don't know whether the, the intention is to perhaps see in that game if if things are going well by the hour point. That's when you bring on maybe Sturridge uh, in place of him. But I think. In terms of in terms of the selection, I think he'll he'll go with roughly the same uh, as yesterday, but possibly Chan for maybe Wijnaldum because you'd imagine he's he's still going to go with the uh, the front four. Um, as I've got as very different views yeah. for you, Dave. Oh, okay. uh, so, go on, Rob. Yeah. I think he, I mean I've looked at these fixtures ahead, and you go Chelsea. You want that team yesterday, more or less, give or take a Matip or a Gomez, but you definitely want the front that front six more or less do you think do you don't think he might want Lallana for that not with I, if it depends if you can see Lallana in training if you get in the full fat, full fat version of Lallana because Lallana wasn't on the bench yeah so which says to me that Lallana it might just it, come it, too soon for him yeah he, he could be dripped in over three weeks this could be a real slow burn of Lallana coming back I know we're all champing at the bit a bit to see him but I'm almost not quite counting him I think he wants the team he sees yesterday in, in, in full throttle mode he may just Look at not having a front four against Chelsea and having a solid three. I don't know. But I think Sevilla away, mad as it sounds, because it's technically the hardest game in the Champions League group, it's the sort of a free hit. I think it's a less important game than Stoke away seven days after that. Um, because we can lose to Sevilla and still get out of this group. I think we can also play averagely in Sevilla and maybe nick it or, or or draw it. So I think I think he's I think there's out the, the key front four of Salah, Mane, uh, Coutinho, and Firmino. I think he's going to target the because I've thought this through a lot here. He's going to target the Seville game and the Stoke game and only play two of those four in each of those games. So. If you go back, Salah came off last yesterday, didn't he? Of of the oh, well, Firmino. Yeah. I, th- I I think there's a chance Firmino and Salah could miss out. Coutinho and Mane come, so I think it could be Coutinho, Mane, uh, Oxley, Chamberlain, and one of Solanke or Sturridge in a front four. It's easier just to rotate around Henderson and Wijnaldum because Chan and Milner's not a big big swap for that. It's almost it's almost like for like, and I'm also not almost not asked what he does in defence. Quite frankly, you know, outside of the front four positions, I almost think it doesn't matter. Just get a performance out of them. So, but I think he wants to go full fat against the likes of Chelsea, and I think he can afford to to give a break to two out of the, out of the big four against Seville, and I think he'll repeat that against Stoke. Again, going strong against Brighton. Stu, what do you think? Uh, similar to Rob, but perhaps uh, different players. I don't think Mane plays. 
Uh, to be honest, I, I would be... have thought not, but for the fact he comes off, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe Marnie does. Yeah, but... I mean, I, I think that Marnie comes comes off perhaps at the weekend just simply because, again, you know, he's he's been recovering, not necessarily because he's he's, he's starting against uh, against Seville. So yeah, I agree. I, I I mean, whether the manager does or doesn't. I wouldn't play Mane against you. I want him fresh for the weekend. I want him fresh for Chelsea. He want full full throttle Mane. Um, I also think that uh, Chan. I think yeah, I agree. I think Chan will play. Um, but I I would also if you assume that that perhaps Oxley Chamberlain comes in for Mane, um, then it, what about Firmino? He can't play every single game. I, I, to be honest, I'm I'm more focused on. I think I think Milner could play, and I think Chan will play, um, and therefore it's whether he he maintains uh, one of Henderson or Wijnaldum with them and drops Coutinho too. I suspect Coutinho will play, um, so then it may well be something along the lines of um, Chan, Milner, and. Uh, Coutinho, it just wouldn't surprise me at all. I buy that. I go yeah. with that, uh, and I think that's I think that's experience. That's solid away from home. I think it's enough to get something three, from then? Seville. Um, front three would be Ox, Salah, and probably Firmino. Okay, and, and Chelsea full full strength. Yeah, but I, I think you know, I think changes are made in the Seville game. I think changes them in or during the game. Um, I'm just not sure that he'll he'll go with Sturridge away from home in the Champions League. And think that you know when we've got a, I could see Solanke starting. I wouldn't be shocked. I'd be happy with that, but I'd be yeah, more I'd surprised. Be. I'd be more surprised because I've yet to see anything to to indicate to me yet that the manager um, sees sees him as a viable starter in in what I is think, a pretty big game. I think I think I think if he starts Solanke, I think you. I think you. I mean, well, I'm I'm imposing what I deem to be sort of reality onto a situation we don't know. Mm. But I think if he starts Solanke, he's got a very angry storage. Yeah, definitely. I think he's got. Well, a, yeah, he's got. A, he's got a training ground storage issue. Where if I'm storage, I am absolutely kicking his door down the next day. Going, are you taking the piss now, mate? Mm, I know that's uh, true. And and that is. But no, I think that that's. I th- I, I, but I think you can do that. But. I, would you want to do that before this run of games where you're going to want to start storage in some of them, if you know what I mean? It might be that. I and mean, listen, it's all the psychology of the individual. You might think, well, it might make, if it makes him mad, it's a good thing. It means that when I next start him, I'll get this sort of type of Daniel Sturridge. But he doesn't. he's never seemed that sort of manager, Jurgen Klopp. He's seen very much. The players all know where they are with him. You know, you don't. It, it, the players know know what's going on. There's rarely a massive shock. There's may, rarely something around the corner where, where something unlikely happens, I think. I think he can sell. I think Sturridge is at a phase in his career. This is not the Daniel Sturridge. Who who knew the, the football world was at his feet anymore? Let's be right. Daniel Sturridge is is looking for bonuses in his career at the moment. I, 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 I don't, don't think I don't to... think he does think that, Rob. I think he's I think he's happy to say that Firmino is ahead of him if we're playing this sort of shape. I think he can accept that. I think he can accept that we might play two up front and one of them could be Salah and one could be Firmino. I think that makes sense to him. I think if you suddenly go this lad who's never started a league game plays the Champions League away game against Sevilla ahead of you. That's that's stern. Well, that's okay, stern. here's if my you think cell. you're fully fit, so, uh, Sturridge, <laughs> and you've been, you've also been with him all the way. I think he will start Sturridge. I think if you've been with him all the way through the international break, as Sturridge has yeah. working with him for that duration, and then suddenly this lad who, as I say, has never started a league game, goes and plays away at Sevilla. You're Daniel Sturridge. I am going. Are you taking the piss out of me, mate? Well, I think a lot comes down to the fact Sturridge got himself into the team by being fantastic in training apparently according to Jurgen Klopp he's been superb and, and got himself into the team got the start got a couple of goals in, in a couple of appearances I think it depends what how he's showing up in training I think if well, so- let's just presume it's still fantastic let's because assume, it has let's been- assume it's still a high level 
I, I think the sell, my sell to Sturridge would be, yes, you are going to be playing soon. There's a lot of games, but this is one where we're going to be sitting quite deep and compact and we think there's going to be quite a lot of pitch behind. We, I want Solanke just to be the legs of the rest of us. I just want him to run them around a bit. I don't think it's your game. I'll put you your start against Brighton away or your start at home to West Brom. I'm telling you to go fuck yourself. Yeah, but he doesn't. He, yeah, but he's not calling the shots here. But I'm telling you to go fuck yourself regardless. Well, if he walks out the door, what's he going to do, Neil? Well, he's, but I'm saying, well, I, so I've been, I've been pulling my tripe out for you in training and you're picking that lad ahead of me and I don't care about this grass to run into behind. I can run into grass behind as well. What, you're playing Coutinho back there and he's going to be threading balls through. Have him thread the balls through to me. Do you not remember West Ham away last season, dickhead? Yeah... Neil, this isn't how football works. I'm not. I'm not having this. It, it is a little bit. Out, I mean, I'm out, the extreme language to one side. It is a little bit how football works. If you've been, you got. If you've got a football match to look. Look, I'm saying. I'm. I'm. It's cra- how managing a group of people works. I'm how. I'm creating. A, I'm creating a scenario where I think Solanke beginning to pull. I. I, I just picked up some something <coughs> in a Klopp's language about uh, Solanke the other day. He was talking about Gruich in similar tones earlier, and, and he was hinting at trying to get him in. I think. He I think you should to, be getting him in. I think he wants to give him a start. I, th- I, I, I think that's fine, but I think that's surely. That's your Stoke or that's your Brighton. Maybe you, you, you might be right. And I'm, 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 I, look, I'm flying. I'm flying. I, I'm saying I've just got a, a nagging feeling. I'm not sure he will. I can, I of course, get that. That you know, Sturridge is in, in that pecking order. He's clearly ahead of him. Sturridge just scored two and two, and now and not and not set foot on the pitch since. I know, which is which, which is which not as mad is maddening if you're Sturridge as it is. So whether this comes too little, too late, who knows? I don't know. Neither of them may start, um, and I'm I, not. Gonna, I, I I'm not going to be stunned. Start. I'm not going to be. You think for me? I think for me. I, I think everything about the manager, everything, uh, regardless, he, regardless of what logic would tell you, and about rotating players, and even with the with Klopp's newfound tendency to want to rotate, everything tells you that whenever we've thought that um, Sturridge is going to get a game, he can't play for me. If it's a big game, if it's an away game and he wants a lad to, to, to press the opposition and to play with tactical acumen he goes with Firmino okay so the, and then he goes with him again against Chelsea because yeah. he has to be yeah. then he's got Stoke away on the Tuesday and then night. maybe there's the move but the thing is with Chelsea soon that's all the yeah. thing is with Chelsea that we, we've not discussed here is we're playing uh, in lovely old Seville on Tuesday they're playing in Carabag on Wednesday where the freaking hell's Carabag by and the they way? need to get something where is Carabag is it Denmark I thought, oh, it, I thought it was more East Europe, Europe. I don't know. Azerbaijan. Azerbaijan. Yeah, Azerbaijan. <laughs> Eastern Europe. Next to Denmark. Yeah. On Wednesday. So we're back to, we're back on Wednesday. We're training Thursday. It's Saturday night's Chelsea game. Yeah. Saturday night Chelsea. So, uh, you know, five o'clock on Saturday. So we've got an extra day's advantage there as they well. Lesser travelling time. Say again. So must win Carabag, isn't it, for them? Yeah, they can't be complacent about it. And Carabag also held Atletico Madrid. Yeah, twice. Oh, really? Ah, so, well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> it don't, I, I, think, I feel like I've been boxed into a position where I'm saying so like <laughs> you very much have I, fly, I was flying but I, no but I, I, I agree I agree with you in the terms of for if, if I'm not the manager if I'm not the guy who's having to deal with it and if I wasn't worried about the morale within the camp, I can see the the um, I can see the logic in that because I want to see Solanke on the pitch more. To be honest, I want to see him as a viable option, and I do see we do think we're seeing the dying embers of Daniel Sturridge as heartbreaking as that is. Um, and I think that Solanke has has more about him physically. Uh, his, his physical characteristics, I think, he's got more potential to be a Klopp centre forward than what. What Daniel Sturridge may well have as well, particularly as you know, as as, as Klopp is developing now in these in these yeah. coming years. I, I think in the current crop of games, I'll hedge my bets massively. I think he will want. I think he will give Solanke a start. And any day he does give Solanke a start, Neil, I think it's going to slightly irk 
Daniel Sturridge. Slightly I more, very. I think he can do that if he ha- if he started Sturridge since a few times since. Oh, yeah. not even just once. I, I think my point is, I think he can. You know, so for instance, if he starts, let's say he starts Sturridge against Sevilla, whoever else he does or doesn't play, mm. Chelsea happens, and then he goes to Stoke and he starts Solanke. Uh, certainly, if Sturridge hasn't scored in the preceding game, then Sturridge is one of them where he might have to shrug his shoulders and think, right, I want to be in this team for Brighton. This is all fine, as I say, but I think a, cha- a Champions League away game against a side Sturridge scored in a final against, where Sturridge has scored in his last two mm. and is supposedly training really well and didn't go away on England duty. Mm. I think all in if you are Sturridge. My point, and I, I, you know, I was using extreme language before, but my point is that if you are Sturridge, you are going. Is this fella absolutely messing me about now? Mm. Because why am I turning up, being fantastic in training, if I'm going to get ignored in circumstances like this one? And that's where there is a, you know, that's where there is a little bit of a thing. And and, and Sturridge is an important man within the dressing room. The other thing that I'd be looking to do if we can, and it depends on how we feel it's going, is I'd be looking at maybe bringing Channing for Henderson because I think keeping Henderson as tip top as we can for the league games is important. I think that'll happen. Um, I, I will see. We'll see. Chan, I think Chan will definitely. Chan, Chan, Chan was shite when he came on. By the way, he was, awful, was, yeah. kick, was he the one who let the ball go under his foot yeah. after a throw in inexplicably? <laughs> yeah, he doesn't. He's tended not. I don't. I can't remember it when Chan. It didn't suit Chan. It not being intense at that point, did it? He was like, "Oh, we're just strolling now, are we? So I'll show you strolling." Huh? You really made me laugh. If they were, well, let's put it this way: I think if there's any any prospect whatsoever of Chan being persuaded to sign a new contract, it isn't going to be aided by having him out for two games to to go into the sort of narrative of you know you've got to be practical across more than just a game. I think Chan definitely starts in Seville. I don't know who's the who's the fall. Could be Wijnaldum's the fall guy. Could be nobody. Could he bring? He could play with three. I, I would. I would. I just wouldn't be chance. I wouldn't. I'd look to not chance Henderson. Um, he'd probably be the one I'd look to not chance in did, that. He played ninety years yesterday as well, did he? Yeah. Henderson, yeah. Well, he could go. I, I think there's a, a draw suits both teams to a degree in Seville, and he, the, he could he could go very Mourinho about this and, and could put Chan at the base, Milner and Wijnaldum ahead, and just go put Oxley Chamberlain and, and two of the other four in. So he get, yeah. gives him his rotation. Uh, Henderson gets a rest too. I suspect you. I think that's what he does. Really I've just, by the way, I've just, I've just looked up the flight time for for Chelsea London to Azerbaijan is six and a half hours. So they've got is a hell of, six and a half hours. So they've it's got New York cooking. I know it's, it's got like thirteen hours on the plane. Um, you know, traveling Wednesday night. Well, you know, Wednesday, Tuesday to get there, Wednesday to come back. So they're goosed. They're absolutely goosed by the time they get back. I hope it's all fashion, uh, 70s style and the Azerbaijan fans banging bin lids <laughs> outside the hotel room all night and they've packed a case full of beans. Barricade in the airport <laughs> on the way out. Calabag yeah. ultras, love it. Uh, <laughs> all right. the Cold War. Dead quick. Uh, in fact, no, I was going to ask if you man of the match, but you're all going to say Salah, so I'm not going to worry about that too much. Uh, thank you very much to Stu Wright. Feel free to argue with me. Is anyone not going to say Salah? No. Stu Wright, Dave Seagull and Rob Gutman for this Anfield wrap this week. Uh, remember what I said before uh, about subscribing to Tour Player. This is the Anfield wrap. Uh, have a lovely, lovely time supporting the Reds this week. Come with us. Sports Social Podcast Network.